All right, this is the Big Kid Show. I'm Mr. B, and thank you for kicking with us, even if it's just for a little bit. With me today in the treehouse, we got Big Nick and the music wizard himself, Sweetwater Mark. And today we're playing Top 3. Thank you, boys and girls. We welcome and appreciate your thundering applause. Hey, gentlemen, it's Top 3. You get it, I get it. Let's just jump right in. And first. All right, today's Top 3 topic is... Top three years for music in our lifetime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So the big kids, we are huge music lovers, fans, musicians, even studio artists and engineers. Music is one of our biggest influences on my life. And I can probably speak for the rest of the big kids out there, too, that they feel the same way. Music is the soundtrack of our lives, and it's wrapped in some of many facets of my daily life. So as we pick our top years for music, remember, it doesn't just have to be albums released, but could be anything that might have happened concerning music and the corresponding year. Also, a reminder, I have no idea what these other big kids are picking, and they don't know mine. So it's a, <laughs> it's a crapshoot when we walk into the it's studio. Hey, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow the show. Give us a rating review. It really does go a long way in supporting the show. All right, so put on your super sweet jean jacket, pump up those Reeboks, Mark, grab your ghetto blaster, and let's piss off the neighbors. Let's play some top three years for music in our lifetimes. We've done that before. Marcus, <laughs> you're up, buddy. Blast it. All right, let's kick it out. So I feel like I say this for some of our episodes. This was freaking hard, guys. This was <laughs> tough. And I will give credit where credit is due, Big Nick. This was your show idea, and uh, it's an excellent one because I feel like as much as we all love music, it just makes complete and total sense. But I also hate you for that fact because it took me forever <laughs> to research this and figure out exactly how the hell do I narrow this down to three years. Right. But we've performed the impossible. So here's my selection, gentlemen. I am going to go with a time I was still a bit of a wee lad bit of a wee lad and i remember hearing one of the songs off of probably the premiere album that sticks out for me in this time period and that was i'm gonna break my rustic cage <laughs> soundgarden bad moto finger which was released in 1991 gentlemen yeah, 1991 yeah. so that soundgarden album is probably one of the first rock so i was 10 that's probably one of the first like real rock albums i heard and i remember the first time i heard cornell's voice and i was just like whoa what is happening but let's just do a quick quick walkthrough with these so um here's a few of the the standouts from 1991 so we've got the red hot chili peppers with blood sugar sex magic You've got Nirvana, Nevermind. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that one. Small album. Nirvana. Nirvana. We got Metallica with their self, uh, self-titled self album. We've got Temple of the Dog. We've got uh, Tom Petty, Into the Great Into the Great Wide Open. Uh, funny, I like, saw that album, and I don't know why that. I still remember the tune to that song. I probably haven't heard that song in like 20 years. And somehow, Tom John- Petty's still. Johnny Depp in the uh, music video for that one. Oh, that's right. Well played. Still in my brain somehow. Um, he got Pearl Jam, 10, U2, Ashtung Baby. 
That's a weird one. But a lot of their popular stuff came off of that one. Yeah. Um, you got Tribe Called Quest. You got De La Soul, Cypress Hill. Like, it's it's such a wide variety of things. It's not like one genre had a good year. You know what I mean? It's like a bunch of different genres all came together, made a sweet-ass baby, and that sweet-ass <laughs> baby made sweet-ass music. So, 1991, gentlemen, easy, easy choice for my number three. Yes, and just like you started to say too, Mark, that you think of the year when you probably were starting to really get into some music, you know, yeah. eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, when you really started to kind of grasp it instead of just, you know, when you're five or six, you're not really into music. So exactly. I love that pick, buddy. 10-year-old Mark was ready to rock. Ready to roll. <laughs> All right, so Mark's got 1991, a glorious year, a glorious year. Big Nick, hit us with your number three favorite year for music in your lifetime. All right. I do want to apologize to the listeners, okay? Already apologizing off the wow. rip. Well, there is, a, really. there is a puppy that is near me, and the puppy does not care that we are recording the show at all. So it's no making noises that I don't know if my microphone is picking them up or not. Uh, it's it way into the squeaky toy. It's way into it. I think it just learned to growl recently. So that's like a big thing for the puppy. Um, so if you, you hear or- any strange, <laughs> if you hear any strange noises, I just want everybody to know everything's okay over at, uh, at, at the big Nick household. Uh, that's, the, that's a puppy. I just want to reiterate uh, for the listeners out there, if you hear any weird noises, Big Nick has come up with an elaborate excuse of having a puppy next to him just in case you hear anything yep. so he can excuse those odd noises. Anyway, continue, Big Nick. Well, I'm, I'm hearing them myself, so I don't know if the listeners can hear, but I, no, but we easy hear. pick for me for number three here. I went with 1997, and there's – look, if I wanted to do a deep dive into – my younger days, there would be a multitude of reasons, but there's one reason that stands out above and beyond all of the other reasons why 1997 is my number three best year for music. And that is the Ozfest concert of 1997. Yes. So I have been living a lie, gentlemen, and I, I, I'm here to confess to you and everyone today that for all of my life, uh, well, actually 1997 and, and afterward, I had always said, you know what? I went to the first three Ozfest concerts. And while there is some truth to that, I, in researching today's show or my picks for today's show, I have, I'm now aware that no. Ozfest technically started in 1996. The concert I went to was in 1997. However, in my defense, I was like 16 and there were only two Ozfest concerts in 96 and they took place in like Texas uh, and some other location far away from me. So I was unaware that those two single concerts existed. So it was always advertised as the first Ozfest here in Columbus, Ohio, 1997. I went. Why? Because every band on the bill I was like in love with at the time. And Mr. B, having known me the longest out of everybody here, will vouch for me on this. I am a life 
lifelong Ozzy Osbourne fan. So that was, I had never seen Ozzy live by that point. In fact, there was a lot of bands I listened to that, frankly, my parents were just not going to let me go see them because I was, <laughs> I was too young. Um, and rightfully so, because this concert, while it was far from my first heavy concert or first real concert, especially without mom and dad, this one was the game changer. Okay. Uh, let me see how I can put this nicely. Um, all right. We'll get into the bands in a minute, but one of the bands playing that day was Pantera, which in, in 1997 may have been my favorite band. If not, they were in the top three. And so I go, and that was one of, that was probably the band I was looking forward to seeing the most. They were a little bit of a letdown. Uh, Phil and Anselmo gets incredibly drunk. He's the singer of Pantera. He he's up, up, up on stage. He's trying to pull a Michael Anthony from Van Halen, right? Drinking straight from the Jack Daniels bottle during the set. Guess what, Phil? You're no Michael Anthony. There's only one guy that can do that and still be cool, and that's Michael Anthony, all right? So Phil's trying to drink this bottle of Jack Daniels on stage, and halfway through the – he he quits drinking the bottle about halfway through, and about a quarter of the way through, he turns into a real jerk. And he decides at some point he does he doesn't like the crowd. He's not impressed with the crowd. It's not the it's not the that there are empty seats or anything. The place is packed. No, he just decides, you know what? I'm cool. You guys are not, and I have no problem telling you between every song how cool I am and how uncool all of you are. Um you guys will remember a great song that Pantera had called This Love. And that song This Love one of my favorites. It had some success on MTV. Pantera, as great as they were, they had very little success on MTV. And that song had a little bit of success, and he basically the crowd goes nuts when they start playing the song. I was like, yes, this is awesome. They're playing this love. And then he mocks us for liking that song. And we're like, I'm sitting there going, I'm like 16. I'm like, dude, I spent all of my money that I have to go to your show. And you're playing one of my favorite songs and you're making fun of me for liking your song. This seems very screwy here. So that was not cool. However, leading up to that moment in the Pantera set, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Pantera is one of those bands I've heard that I've I've seen Phil perform before, not with Pantera, but with his other band down. And um, it was a little up and down. I, I love I like Pantera. But yeah, I've heard his performances can be a little shaky, especially when he was going through some uh, some things. Yes, yeah. and alcohol, some yeah. substance issues uh, for Rockstar extended. Stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It, look, I don't want. I want to make sure that I'm being clear here. the The band was fantastic. He yeah. sucked, and he was awesome for like the first three or four songs. And yeah, straight I mean, uh, Jack Daniels. <laughs> Dimebag, if you if I could read a mind, right? I'm looking at Dimebag, and he's just looking at this guy like, Phil, why don't you just go sit on the side of the stage? We got this. Like the three of us can impress these this whole huge crowd by ourselves without you being a jerk. Well, keep in mind I'm 16 too, and and I'm gonna keep this very brief and nondescript. What what would have ruined that? Comp- 
you know, Phil was very close to ruining that entire Pantera set. Now, mind you, it's because it's a fest. They're only playing like 40 minute sets, right? You, you're not going to sit through a two hour terrible Pantera set. Yep. So their short set is over with. I'm a little disappointed. I look over to my left because my attention is drawn there because everybody's cheering and screaming and pointing. And I want to see what are they cheering and screaming and pointing at? So I stand up on, on like a, on a, one of the, the seats there. I was going to call it a chair, but I think they had like the fold down seats. It's an amphitheater. And there is some straight up, mind you, I'm 16. These women were adults and there was some straight up, girl on girl action going on that I'd have only seen that. That was the first time I'd ever seen that in person. And it made an imprint on the old brain. Um, they, it was very cool. The security decided to let everybody enjoy the show for a while. And then they escorted these two, of course, very fine upstanding ladies out of the concert, never to be seen again. Now that that was interesting, but that's not why this concert was was great for me. This so concert far, was it hasn't started well. You're like I was not a fan of Phil. I'm like, All right, why'd you pick this? Well, year, it, at that time, it was like a dream to go see Pantera. It's just they kind of you know Phil kind of ruined it for the. It was a one bad apple spoils the whole damn bunch kind of situation. This concert turned into a riot, and I actually have a different memory of the riot. That, that as it's described in the newspapers, um, Ozzy ends up not playing that show. He had like lost his voice. They make the announcement and people start going crazy. Now they're going crazy during Marilyn Manson set, which is near the end of the show. And uh, things got weird. People start ripping up seats and throwing uh, chunks of the lawn everywhere. And so it was quite a sight. Keep in mind, I'm like 16. I've not been to a whole lot of concerts and this is what I'm experiencing. I'm like, Holy <laughs> mother of God. This is, this is pure anarchy. Big Nick. Yeah. Did I, did I go to that show with you or did I, I, was that the next year? I think you and I went to 90, either 98 or 99 okay. together. I remember, I remember Saad being thrown also at another show. So I just was curious if that was the same one. I think that became like tradition now okay, gotcha. because, because it happened at the first one here in Columbus. But the way that it's described in the newspaper was that people were setting fires and breaking windows and smashing windows. Unless they're talking about cars in the parking lot, that amphitheater had no windows. So I don't know what windows they're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how, you know, exaggerated this became you know and keep in mind it's the 90s and people really shamed heavy metal music back then and and the people that listened to it i do not recall any fires at all um maybe i was smart and got out of there before all that but i mean look the pantera set was a dud right but other than that the day was so amazing leading up to whatever this riot was. I, I think it was blown out of proportion as far as the way it was reported, but the bands, dude, we are talking about like, and today I don't appreciate a fest mainly because they don't, this, they don't play very long sets or extended sets. Yeah. But on this day, man, I, I got to see some of my favorite bands and, and some new bands that were new to me. Like, so the new bands to me were downset cold chamber, Drain STH, um, Machine Head. I was already into at the time before I went to it. Power Man Five Thousand was there. I had no idea who those guys were until that day, and f- like instant love of those dudes. 
Um, Fear Factory was there, and I had a lot of friends that dug Fear Factory. I never got into them for whatever reason. I'm not not certain why. Uh, but Downset, I fell in love with Downset. Typo Negative was there, which I was I was just into them like months before this show. And so by that point, like I'm done, I'm wore out, man. Like Black Black Sabbath is there. By the time we hear Marilyn Manson, by the time that we hear that Ozzy's not going to perform, I had already OD'd on music three times by that time. <laughs> so uh, it was it was a I hell of an experience. Yeah, it was a hell of an experience, and it was so good that I made sure that I went back in in '98 and in '99. Uh, it is a day that I will never forget. Uh, one guy that, that we've mentioned many times on this show, our boy Paul Trez, uh, was there with me, and he had a, a, a stroke of genius. We were walking between the side stage and the main stage, and he had spotted that a security person uh, personnel had left their post. And he goes, hey, that, that security guy just like left. He must, and I go, yeah, he must have like went to the restroom or something. And Paul goes, well, let's go back there. I go, I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's nobody there to stop us. Let's just go back there. I go, all right. He goes, do you think we sure. should? I go, and I got to thinking, I was like, you know what? We're, we're kids. We're like 16. Like as long as we're not being total jerks, they'll probably just put us back into general population. Right. And sure enough. So we squeaked back there. We got a bunch of autographs from people, some pictures awesome. taken. Cause remember, remember those little throwaway plastic cameras oh, yeah. that you would buy um, those things, little cheapos. Yeah, I bought one and brought it in in my pocket, which turned out to be genius because we're running around. It's I wouldn't say it's backstage. It's like this collection of trailers that are kind of kind of partitioned off there. And um, so I got a bunch of pictures taken with with these different artists that we all love. So great memory. I, I you can tell how excited I am just talking about it. <laughs> Easily my number three and. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've that was a coming of age moment for for Big Nick. Love it, buddy. Yeah, I can I, I sense the passion? I sense the passion Absolutely. in your voice. Ozfest, hard to beat, especially no, the few Ozfests I went to. I would see so many bands I never heard of, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" Like I think actually when we talked about the '98 or '99 Ozfest was the first time I saw uh, a Slipknot, and I'm like, "What are these guys doing? They're all yeah. jumping around like crazy people." So. Well played, Big Nick. All right, well, let's move on to Mr. B's number three here. And I'm going to go with 1995. 1995. The 90s are coming in hot. Yeah. I, I, think, was... I think we're going to get a heavy dose of the 90s here today. Fellas. Well, because, <laughs> again, anything pre-90s, we were young kids, but... So 95, there was some of my favorite albums were released that year. That's part of it. So Deftones Adrenaline was released. Oh, yeah. Probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Silver Chair Frog Stomp, also released in 95. Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters their, their first album released in 95. Fear um, Factory's The Manufacturer, which is one of my favorite albums, also released. Cypress Hill Temples of Boom, one of my favorite rap albums. Fantastic uh, album. There's just there were so many albums that came out in '95. Plus, that was when I was, I was already into music, but I was like really getting into music at that point. You know, like that's when I was playing the guitar a lot more, um, and just really kind of, 
I don't know, just fell in love with that kind of stuff. So with 95, I mean, I, there's, there were so many albums that were awesome that year. Linda Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, Oasis, What's the Story, More and Glow Bone Thugs and Harmony, Me, um, yeah. Radiohead, The Bends. <laughs> first of the month. Yeah. Um, Seven Mary Three's album, if you guys remember, they were all over the radio back oh, in 95. Yeah. Cumbersome. Yeah. American um, Standard. Yeah. Uh, and Big Nick, you and I, one of our favorite albums was Megadeth's Hidden Treasures. Oh, that's a great album. That came out in 95. God, me and him played that thing till it fell apart. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and Mark's favorite album, Coolio Gangsta's Paradise. That also came out in 95. Can I chime in real quick on that Hidden Treasures album? Of course you can. So what was so brilliant about that Hidden Treasures album for us, the consumer, who, mind you, we are teenagers. And guess what teenagers don't have? Money. No, we were um, poor. <laughs> yeah, so you have to be very uh you have to be very considerate how you how you choose to burn up your cash. And the Hidden Treasures album was great because it was only what, like eight songs maybe? Yeah, it was like like B tracks and cover songs. Yes. And so what what you got was exactly what Mr. B just said, B tracks and cover songs. It was a collection of songs that were on like soundtracks or yes a B side that were never mass released. And we, me, I, I was way into Megadeth. I wanted to have their entire catalog. It was very expensive for me to try to hunt down these B sides or, or all the soundtracks that they were on. And clearly what Megadeth wanted to do is they're like, yeah, we, we signed like a five album contract. We're sick of Capitol records. We've done four <laughs> albums. Here's an easy way to do a fifth album. And they, they put it out. I think it was a little bit cheaper than t than most CDs at the time, maybe a, do a couple bucks cheaper than a typical CD, uh, more of like an EP price. And I bought it and played that thing to Mega Death. I mean, that yes, was it was a brilliant, brilliant album. Yes, one of our favorite songs was Diadems on there, which was mm. uh, on the soundtrack from a uh, uh, God Bless America, Demon Knight. Demon Knight soundtrack. Night soundtrack. Oh, yeah. oh. Demon Knight, what a great movie. Yeah, so just like when we are the Big Kid Research team was helping me research this, and these albums started <laughs> popping up, and I was like, well, how is not 95 not make my list? And so that's my number three. Plus, shout out to when I was working at Wendy's, we would rock Insane Clown Posse's Riddle Box album when we were closing down shop. Boom, came out in 95. Lock it in. <laughs> I didn't know you were a riddle box guy. I was a riddle oh, box guy. Well, yeah. When we were at Wendy's, you're trying to close down the shop here, and you got to you got to put on some weird rap. So it was Riddle Box by Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> no wonder Mister Esiason uh, couldn't get a proper order. Yeah, because oh, I was too yeah. busy listening to Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. So ninety five. That's my number three. Hey, we're off to a great start, Marcus. Let's kick it back around to you for your number two greatest year of music in your lifetime well i'm just gonna keep it easy guys i picked 91 for my first one we're just gonna go one year later 92 <laughs> we're just keep, keep it rolling i could probably just pick all the 90s if you give Man, me you're on choice. a roll where's yeah. you? way to branch out <laughs> so but I, listen to the, listen to this list and tell me you can disagree with me Allison Chains, dirt rage against the machine self-titled nine inch nails broken sir mix a lot come on dr dre the chronic you got Def Leppard, Adrenalize. You've got Neil Young, Harvest Moon, which me and Mr. B were lucky enough to perform at our friend Ian and Jill's wedding. Shout um, out to Ian. 
That's absolutely. And uh, helmet, meantime, Beastie Boys, check your head, tool, opiate, house of pain. I mean, come on. Like, that's a laundry list. And that doesn't even take into, into consideration some of the singles that were huge that year. So you had Ordinary World from Duran Duran, uh, Friday, I'm in Love, The Cure, some like 80s kind of spillover happened in the 90s, Under the mm-hmm. Bridge from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Little Miss Can't Be Wrong, Spin Doctors, Black Pearl Jam, Come As You Are, Nirvana. I mean, it's just, it's endless and endless. Um, and I think for me, there was a few other things that that happened in 92. So one was like, we used to, as we like get ready for school, my parents were pretty cool. So as we got a little bit older, they'd let us watch either, I usually watch them MTV or I'd watch ESPN. So I'd be watching sports or music, one of the two in the morning. And we got me and my sister got on a big MTV kick and we'd constantly be, well, one of the biggest videos and songs of 1992 was one informer by snow. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody still nobody knows what he's saying to this day. Dude, I used to listen to that song and try to like rap it at school because I was like, what, 11, I guess, at that point? <laughs> I tried to rap it in middle school and still didn't know what the hell that guy was saying. So that was one like a huge one that stood out. The second thing is I went to my first ever concert beginning of 92 at Kings Island. They used to have in Cincinnati, Ohio or Mason, Ohio. They had a Timberwolf and I remember I went with my mom and one of my uh good friends at the time and it was cnc music factory yes mm. check that out gonna make you sweat <laughs> dude <laughs> that uh, that show was actually badass like they they were good man I, I was i was very impressed obviously i didn't listen to them much longer than 1992 as <laughs> i got a little bit older but um but definitely a few meaningful <laughs> meaningful moments there so but yeah, 92, I, it's just, like I said, this was tough because there's every year I feel like I could spill out a ton of albums, but this one for me definitely, uh, definitely hit the jackpot. Well, and, and like we just said before with 91, like it starts to become your formidable music yeah. years. Like, you know, you're starting exactly. to get more into music and appreciating what's good, what you like, what you don't like. Yep. So yeah, I mean, obviously those are going to resonate stronger than us versus, I mean, Obviously, there's probably some amazing stuff in the 80s, but we were a lot younger. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't remember busting out my boom box and when I was four years old. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Love it, buddy. 1992. I, I have a, I'm curious if you're going to pick 93 for your last one, but let's find out. Stick <laughs> around to find out. <laughs> Big Nick, hit us with your number two greatest year of music in your lifetime. Well, this was very difficult for me to keep my mouth shut uh, the first round. And I'm glad that I did because I spent so much time talking about my t- my number three pick. But Mark's number three pick of 1991 is my number two pick. Oh, yeah. And first crossover. It was great. The reason why he picked it's the same reason I picked 91. So the albums that were released that year are some of them are some of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and especially favorite albums of my early teenage years, right? Uh, the, the Metallica black album, I had the, the cassette of, uh, kill them all. 
and I and I was way into a couple of the songs on Ride the Lightning at the time. But then the Black Album comes out. I get it on CD. <sighs> Mind blown. I listened to the whole thing a bazillion times and it just makes me go back and get all of the old Metallica stuff. And so where I was already kind of starting down that road, I didn't, didn't love that band yet. That album made me love that band and explore their catalog much better to, to even the better stuff. But, um, that I always think of the black album. It's like, like, bacon for a vegan right it's the it's the gateway meat um to, so that that album's the gateway album to the rest of their catalog blood sugar sex magic red red hot chili peppers uh out of time rem i'm not going to go through cypress hill i mean mark so named a, good ones. a lot of yeah, them i I Ozzy Osbourne, no more tears. Ba- yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, again, already I'm into Ozzy. What dangerous in that that, that year? That I mean, no more know. tears album just made me love Ozzy even more. Um, in in wait, fact, wait. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Baby. My my first paying job that I ever had with my first paycheck, I went and bought the uh, the double disc uh, Ozzy Live and Loud was was the oh, first yeah, thing yeah. I ever purchased with my own money, and um, beautiful. I mean, the li- I I beg everybody out there listening, if you doubt this pick, this selection for a second, and you are of our age, if you are 30 or older, right, 35 or maybe you got to be 35 or older, go back and li- look at the list of the albums that came out in 1991. Now, part of that is back then people made a fortune off of albums and <laughs> these these guys were making good money, but the list is I, I hesitate to name a few more because it's nonstop. Van Halen, for an awful carnal knowledge. Um, the uh, Boys to Men album comes out that year. It's yeah, yeah. De La Soul comes out that year. Um, Bad Motorfinger. I mean, it's just endless, endless, endless. And let's not forget. Use your illusion one and two, baby. There it is. I was waiting. There it for is. It. Yeah, we're there's no way it. Big Nick is not going to yeah. mention Guns N' Roses. Can I tell you a quick story about that, Big Nick? Go for it. So I'm glad you brought this up. So 1991, I actually took a trip to um, to Mexico. It was the only like trip I took as a kid where they did like the exchange program, right? Where you, oh, you went to I thought a different. Maybe country. you were fleeing the law. I was, I was. His, his, that his, was parents, my, his parents traded him for another kid. That was my alibi. <laughs> was the exchange. <laughs> I got straight up traded. <laughs> they also got a Pete Rose rookie card. Yeah, and, it, was a, uh, it was a one-for-one swap. <laughs> a first-round draft pick in uh, next year's draft. Um, no, I was in Mexico, and I remember we were hanging out, and it was like probably like a week before I was supposed to come home. And one of the kids that was friends with the kid I was staying with came in with an album that was blue and orange. And I'm like, what is that? And it was the Use Your Illusion album. Yep. And I remember, I think that outside of like, um, obviously I'd heard Welcome to the Jungle, but outside of that, that might've been like the first real listen through of Guns N' Roses that I had, which was a very positive experience. So yeah, dude, that's, I, I, I was going to be completely shocked if you didn't mention Guns N' Roses. If he had the blue and orange one, that meant he had the one that was songs from both one and two. They did like a little. It was like a double. Yeah. And yep. Yep. real quick, I'm not I'm not going to stay on the bands too long, but just to name a few more. Seal comes out that year. Oh, yeah. 
uh, Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet comes out that year. Uh, you mentioned Dangerous Michael Jackson, right? Which wasn't not any of our stuff, but at the at that point in our lives, but still a huge uh, <laughs> a huge member of of the music community. Pearl Jam Ten was really groundbreaking, of course. Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- this list is so. Tupacalypse Now by Tupac. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins comes out that year as well. I mean, the, the, it, yes, it's just it doesn't stop. Like, it doesn't stop, man. It's like a leaky pipe. It just it keeps coming. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, Hole came out pretty on the inside. Uh, oh, here's a sad one. I hate to bring down the house a little bit. Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble come out with the sky is crying, but it that's because Stevie Ray Vaughan had, had been killed in the accident yep. Yep. prior to this, and they released this as a tribute to him. Um, and not to bring down the house even further, Color Me Bad came out with an album that year, too. Well, you just ruined the whole show. So. <laughs> Congratulations. No, actually, no. Honestly, that was another one I remember watching on MTV. So, no, and going back to Metallica, Big Nick, you'd mentioned them. They, that was black, and I think I called it self titled in my round, but black it was is self titled. It's just people changed it to yeah, the black it's, album. It's, 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 it's referred to it as the black, black album, album, but it's a self titled album. Yeah, like the Beatles, the white album is technically just a self titled album. True. And all the um, Weezer out al- most of the Weezer albums, yeah. they were like, we, <laughs> we refuse to name our, Color. we refuse to name our albums. Well, Metallica, that was a gateway for me, man. Like, I remember the first time I saw Enter Sandman on MTV, and it was literal mind blown, just in pieces. So, good choice, Big Nick. Obviously, I agree. Yes, 1991 is a quality pick. We already had it twice now. Can I can I throw in one more thing? Sorry, not another album, but this is this is a large part of why 91 is so important to yours truly. I was way into MTV before 91, but 91 was like the pinnacle of MTV for me. Like I was every Sunday when they did the top 20 countdown, I was glued. And a lot of that had to do with my favorite band, Guns N' Roses, having a lot of success that year. But I there was a time where I could remember that year and it carries over into 92, right? Because these albums come out in 91, but they, they would drag out these singles for months and months and months. Yep. And I would tune in every Sunday to watch this top 20 countdown. And I remember REM losing my religion, holding that spot for a long time. And then it was, um, I I believe it was November rain comes in and takes over that spot for, for, for 12 weeks or something ridiculous. Then, then Queensryche comes in with silent lucidity and takes over the top spot for a while. And then Metallica comes in with, um, I think it was nothing else matters or, or unforgiven takes over the spot. And it, it was just like, it was a, as much R and B that was going on and great rap that was going on at the same time, the rock in the heavier stuff was King. Even on the MTV uh, then. So that was, was I mean, a thing into a, right. a giant. That's right. Quality pick, buddy. 1991. All right. So Mr. B's number two, which we're not going to have to say much because I also had 1991. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there it is. And, and you guys kept talking, blew all the stuff I was going to say. You, know, <laughs> you should have cut us off, man. <laughs> but there was there was only one album that really 
was what it made 91 jump to my number two, and it was Nirvana Nevermind. So yeah. I was 10 or 11 years old, and I think I had just gotten a CD player. I mean, that's when CD players, I think, were starting to be affordable for us not rich kids. And I actually, I think my first CD was Boys to Men, Cooley High Harmony, which also came out in 91. That was their debut yep. album. But then immediately after that, I got Nirvana. I had an ACDC live album. Um, and so 91, you guys said it all. Just there's so many awesome albums that came out. It was just king of music. I mean, it was spoil of riches. Yeah. And a couple that you guys left off that I wanted to Temple of the Dog. That album came out that year. Yeah, Temple of the Dog's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, Rage Against Machines, their self-titled demo actually came out in 91. That wasn't their first oh, album. Yeah. It was like their demo, which was like 80% of the first album, but that was pretty sweet. Um, plus, Mark's favorite band, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, came out. Absolutely. Debut album, 91. Boom. Boom. Drop that on the stack. I was curious if we were going to have some matchup years, but clearly we already got 91 flowing through the, the big kid team. locked down. Yeah. <laughs> I just, hey. I mean, and, ni- and 91 for me was, again, 10 or 11, and I was that's, I was really discovering music then, like like understanding choruses and what I liked and what I didn't like. And yep. yeah. The formative years. The formative years of what made Mr. B's brain go. <laughs> Real quick before we move on. Group hug. Group hug. Group Bring hug. Yeah. Oh. 1991. This is this hug is for 1991. Yes. <laughs> we love you, no, 1991. And, and you guys said it too. It was the year of MTV and just like, you know, I did the same thing in the Morty Mark. It was, I flipped between MTV and ESPN. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you'd catch a glimpse of the Metallica video and you're like, yes. Love yeah, it. I mean, it's just, it, it's it's one of those things as a kid. I mean, especially their videos were were like little mini movies, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, very, very, well, and, and, and with Metallica being played so much, I mean, that was like the first like hard rock band, but getting like prime time playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like they would play the harder rock stuff like at midnight or whatever, but I mean, Metallica was getting played with all these other pop bands and I just, yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I, that's when I really started to like Metallica because Obviously, yep. the albums that came out in the '80s. Well, I was too young to even know about those yep. until I got a little older. So, definitely, you guys, ninety-one is king. Ninety-one Ooh. and ninety-two. Do you guys recall? I think it was called Most Wanted. It was like a an MTV evening show where it was the most requested videos of the day, and it was it was a countdown, but they only did like enough songs to fill an hour. So with commercials, it may have only been like the top nine requested songs of the day, but it was really cool because you would get a smattering of both songs that were in the top 40 charts uh, on radio and MTV, but also like the hype song of the day or the, or the hype video of the day. What something caught on on this Wednesday for some weird reason. I vaguely remember that. I vaguely remember that. I loved that show. All right. Well, cheers to 91. Let's move into our our top ones here. Marcus, your top year for music in your lifetime. All right, boys. Here we go. Don't don't blow it. The moment of truth of 1993 is the choice. We'll just go for the trifecta. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So for me... 
again, it just, it came down to the quality of music. I, I, you know, there's, there's definitely plenty of years for me that I probably could have picked with personal experiences. Um, but to me, it always came down to the music. I mean, even the stuff that like, as I got old enough to have a car and play in my car and all that type of stuff, to me, it still came down to the quality of the music. And in looking at the different years, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't pass this year up. So I am going with 1993, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 1994. Oh, <laughs> we skipped a year. 1994, gentlemen. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna rattle off if, if this is one of you guys number one pick I'll apologize in advance because there's a lot here so the the first one that um, well here yeah, let's just go through a few so you've got Outcast Southern Playlistic Cadillac Funky Music longest album title ever uh, Nine Inch Nails Downward Spiral you had Nas Illmatic amazing album Weezer the Blue album um, Nirvana Unplugged. Probably the album again that like really solidified my love for this band was Soundgarden, Super Unknown, and again Black Hole Sun. Like when that came on MTV, oh yeah, it was just like it was on what? all the time. What yeah, type of wizardry is this song? Like what is happening? Creepy eyeballs. Yeah, you had, uh, and the other one was Green Day, Dookie. I remember like seeing them in the Mental Institution, the first Green Day album. You got Notorious B.I.G., Ready to Die, Alice in Chains, Jar of Flies, Live Throwing Copper, Stone Temple Pilots, Purple, Beastie Boys, Ill Communication. I mean, it's just a wealth. Like, I could go on and on and on. Um, Till the break of dawn? Till the break of dawn. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you know, and even, like, the stuff that I didn't listen to was still was like immensely pipe. So, Hootie and the Blowfish, the Cracked Rearview Mirror came out mm. that year, along yeah. with... Um, that was a super popular album. It was one of my favorite movies, Kingpin. You got uh, you got Blues Traveler coming out with four that year, and uh, another Boys to Men. You know, dropping. Uh, you got the Roots. It's just so many. Like I, I, I literally could probably sit here for ten minutes and just rattle off bands and and albums. Um, the one that I, the one soundtrack because we haven't mentioned any soundtracks. I will mention is the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Yes. Ooh. Which was an amazing soundtrack just in itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bring out the so. gimp. Well, and so. I wonder too, as what as we're kind of picking these years, this also gets to where it was before we had to like start working jobs. So like music was mm -hmm. probably like our biggest drive. Yeah. You know, if you really think of it, it's like we did have a decent amount of free time and it was probably spent with music and maybe playing nintendo or yeah, whatever and whatever listen to the radio you know around that age so that's yep. 13 at that point so early 90s the three of us were all like it, it one of our hobbies you know we're playing a lot of sports busy with school busy with friends uh but and you're kind of coming out of those kid years where you're putting away the kid toys and you're getting mm -hmm. to more into the big boy toys and so you and all three of us were starting to pick up instruments around this time yes. and would, would all lead to us being in bands in, in the late nineties. Uh, so I think it's no, it's, it's not any bit of a mystery that you see a lot of us picking early nineties because that is influencing us yep. playing in bands and such in the, in the late nineties. And Mark, I know. That you were not the Megadeth fan that, that Mr. B and I were, but uh, <laughs> Euthanasia <laughs> came out in 1994, just 
you know, just throwing that out there. And don't forget, there was another Bone Thugs and Harmony album that yes, year. There was. <laughs> well, you had Beck coming out with Mellow Gold with Loser. And you had the self-titled Corn album, which I mean, that and the the first Bush album, Sixteen Stone, which is also nineteen ninety four. I mean, like I, I don't want to be. Uh, let me just have my old guy yell at the cloud moment. I feel like when I look back at some of these years, I don't see even near this type of like no. quality being put out in a year. No, today. no. Like, and and, and I, I I thought about that too, Mark. Like, not to cut you off, but like almost you wonder is. Are like uh, record companies or whatever, are they like staggering their releases to purposely avoid years like that? Yeah. When you're talking about like so many amazing debut albums all coming out in literally in a 12 month period, you kind yeah. of fast forward to the 2010s and 20s. You don't necessarily see that as much. Well, and I think, I mean, hell, I picked three out of four years. So it's almost like there was just so much good stuff coming out over a period of time that. It wouldn't even have mattered if they staggered them. I, you know, I wonder how much of it's streaming and how much of it's just like everybody can make music and release music now. So that there's a lot of, you know, like um, the drowning, the flood of the market. Yeah. Kind of flooding with, you know, a lot of not so great music, but um, <laughs> well, and the, the other thing too, it was, it was very profitable for all parties involved. If you were involved in a smash hit. Right. Yeah. So there was more, there was backing back then. There is no backing today unless you're already a big artist. And <laughs> back, back then, a, a company, a big record company was willing to put up 50, 60 grand to make a couple music videos for Mark and his boys and a studio album. Because guess what? If it's the next big thing, we all become fat cats and it was really only a $50,000 investment in the end. And so it, the, the landscape has changed. The world has changed. What's the one constant change. So change. The, <laughs> hey, then you have the old school boys. We're still hanging on then too. division bell. Pink Floyd came out in 94. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, Mark, you are spot on. This list is is huge. It, the huge. the only huge the, the only you know the this list rivals the ninety two and ninety one list. Yeah. Honestly, I mean you know, and I looked at other. It's not like I just looked at the first couple of years and was like, oh, I'm good." You know, I mean, like I looked I, I, to me, I thought for sure. So ninety seven was my honorable mention, which you had already mentioned, Nick. And part of the reason was I turned sixteen, so I had a, I had a car, I could go driving, which had a big influence. Um, but if I just stack it up against ninety four, I mean, as amazing as ninety seven was, it's like it's just there's so many good years in the nineties, and ninety four is just a. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Oh. Mellow Gold, Beck. Oh. Mm -hmm. You got Sublime, Robin the Hood, Warren G, G-Funk era. I mean, come on. That, that was huge. Uh, right. TLC. Oh, I didn't listen to TLC, but Crazy Sexy Cool came out. R.E.M. Monster, Offspring Smash, Tom Petty Wildflowers. Um, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's it's a bit ridiculous. It's a bit ridiculous. Love the pick, buddy. 1994. Beautiful year. Yes, indeed. All right, Big Nick, hit us with your big hitter, your number one favorite year of music in your lifetime. 
We were really close to another group hug, uh, but Mark picked 94. I went with 95 as my number one pick. Oh, piring up with Mr. B. Boom. Yeah. So, uh, and it, here's, and it's not going to be just solely, actually, very little of this is based off of albums released. A couple of things, too, you know, especially when you're younger. It's not always about when things came out, when things dropped. It's more about when things are presented to you. And so the Corn album comes out in 94. I'm mm-hmm. probably not. It doesn't hit my earballs until 1995. Yep. Another band that I loved back then, Machine Head. Mm-hmm. Their Burn My Eyes, their their Oh yeah. Their album comes out in 94. Doesn't hit my earballs until 1995. I mean, both of those out al- those were 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 bands that were trying to break through that it took them all of 94 and a lot of 95 to break through and and to start getting to getting some radio play and in fact i'm listening to those two albums before there's radio play because i got somebody nudging me and going hey you might want to check out this machine head band or hey you might want to check out this corn album Mm -hmm. and so 95 those two albums were big for me one of my favorite bands of all time is a is a local Columbus band who is called Watershed. They get an, a record deal with Sony Records, right? A three piece band. They're they're basically the '90s version of alternative rock, Cheap Trick, and mm-hmm. they get signed to a big label like Sony, coming out of Columbus, Ohio. And me, I'm a one of I'm a wannabe garage band guy at this time in '95. This was inspiration for me. I fell in love with the band Watershed, saw them live in 95. And I just, I was like, my God, I want to be these guys. I want to write the music that these guys are writing. I want to have the fun that they're having. And to this day, all of these years later, I'm still a big Watershed fan. Uh, unfortunately, the the drummer who is is one of the uh, the bass player who's one of the singers lives out on the west coast now and so they do like one show a year in columbus Ooh. ohio i make sure that i'm there so their their twister album comes out in 95 now here's some other more interesting reasons uh mr b will will i think he'll remember this maybe i i was gifted a shirt a molson ice polar beach party shirt for the 1995 Molson Ice Polar Beach Party concert, uh, okay. somebody somebody had like won the shirt or something from a radio station. It was it was an, like a friend's mother or father won the shirt gotcha. and gave it to me because they knew that I was into like heavy music. And it had Metallica was on the shirt, Hole was on the shirt, and it said Molson Ice Polar Beach Party. And the thing that I loved about it, this is 1995. This is when, like, okay, so 93, 94, 95, me and my buddies, we start wearing some rock and roll, some heavy metal T-shirts around this time. The thing that I loved, I'm gifted this shirt from somebody that I I don't even recall who gave it to me, but I loved it because it was such a cool-looking shirt and None of my friends had it. It was not a shirt that you could buy in a store, right? It was always like very unique. Yes, I could wear it to hang out and the, people would have the Metallica shirts on, the Faces shirt, the Metallica Faces shirt. I know um, about that shirt. Yeah. The, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm, try, I'm trying to think of some of the other more popular. The Green Day Dookie shirt was a pretty popular one back then. It was. and But I'd show up in this shirt and it was, I'm not trying to impress, but it was always impressive that it was like, 
where'd you get that? Where can I buy it? And I'm like, the coolest answer is you cannot. <laughs> you cannot I'll sell it to buy you right it. now for five hundred dollars. So that shirt was really cool. <laughs> and here's the number one reason: 1995. And I do not. Ho- hopefully, I don't choke up and start crying here. 1995. My father and me, we ride up in in his big giant conversion van that he had. And he would make fun of some of the music I had listened to, but some of the stuff he liked, like he'd listen to ACDC and stuff like that. I remember putting on that corn album and he had heard it probably coming through the walls of my bedroom many times before this van ride, but this van ride was going to be very special. And we'll get into that for a reason in a minute. But at some point he's in a great mood. I'm in a great mood. And I always knew when he was in a great mood because he'd let me put on whatever I wanted in the van. And so I pop in that corn CD. (laughs) He cranks it up. And my father, who's a retired law enforcement, a member of law enforcement, (laughs) mind you. He's not retired at this point in in our lives. But he is driving near High Street in Columbus with the sound cranked all the way to 11 windows down and my father is going I love it I think you're going to say like chuck the CD out of the the car or something this is one of the greatest days of my entire existence so our destination was the string shop on high street and we were going there that day because I had saved up hundreds of dollars through birthdays, Christmas, and a paper route to drop about eight to nine hundred dollars on my first PA system. And oh wow, you're right. That is oof. pretty memorable. Yeah, I bought I bought the power head, I bought the I bought the microphones, the cables, the stand, the speakers, everything. I mean, I went up there and I bought everything. All good stuff too. I went with the crate brand, not top of the line, not bottom shelf either. But, but I, uh, I remember that PA system because that was that was it back in the day, buddy. I worked my ass off to yeah. save up and buy that. And my 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 dad drove me up there and he made it into a day by him cranking up the music and singing along and playing along. He knew I That's was on awesome. cloud nine. So he's like, son, let me join you on cloud nine for a minute here, man. And we <laughs> had a great day. We went to skyline chili afterwards. I remember that yes. had, a, had a good lunch. Uh, so thanks dad and corn and skyline chili for a great day. Oh no, it makes me smile, buddy. I love to hear that stuff. That's awesome. Love it. 1995 and plus paired up with me, buddy. So mm-hmm. hanging out. All right. Wait, well, hey, let's move on to my number one, which surprise, surprise, Marcus. It's 1994, baby. Oh, yeah. 1994. In 1994, again, so part of it was amazing albums that came out, but also 1994 was when I think I purchased my first electric guitar. Oh, yeah. I, I had an acoustic guitar, but when you're a 13-year-old kid, you don't want no acoustic guitar. You want an electric guitar. <laughs> I got an electric true. guitar, and I, I think that's when I was taking lessons right around then. Um, so paired with that, the release of all these amazing albums, and Big Nick, you said it, that Corn album came out in 1994, and that like changed my brain Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of music, because I was like, whoa. What are these guys doing? They're like, they're tuned down way low and they're making all these weird noises. And that just like, 
did it for me with music. Like I was like, wow, you can you can be outside the box and not be like a pop rock band. You can just get goofy and metal and weird. And I just love that. So, and you guys already rattled off all the albums, so you guys kind of blew it for me there. One album you left <laughs> off though was so one of still one of my favorite rap albums of all time was Grave Diggers Six Feet Deep. Oh, oh yeah. Came out yeah. in nineteen ninety-four. And that Beautiful. still arguably is one of my favorite rap albums. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I was thirteen years old when it came out. But so many amazing albums came out in ninety-four. That was when I, I, I think I when I truly embraced music. I was like, all right, I want a guitar, I want to start playing. And just I even was taking lessons and started to learn the craft a little bit. And unfortunately, years later, Mark said, guess what? You're playing the bass guitar. And <laughs> I got bumped from guitar. Off. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. It was like a one quick sense. Like, yeah, you're going to play the bass now. And I'm like, oh, hey, but thanks. it's worked out well. You know? Thanks, Dick. <laughs> it's your own fault. We, we had music, a band. Beautiful music. We, we had a play, band and you were playing guitar in it and you left us. That's true. Well, I, I, got, I got I got relocated. I got relocated to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love just rehashing all these years. It brings me back to awesome stuff as a kid. Yeah, it was good. All right, too. so I know we heard a couple, but you guys got some honorable mentions that we want to throw out here because I I have one really special one I want to throw out. Can I go first? Was mine. Yeah, I, that was my only one. So I, I'll leave it at that. You said ninety-seven. Yeah, the one you had had for your number three pick. Okay, so, so honorable mention, I'm going to go with 2057 because I refuse to believe that all of my best <laughs> years are behind me. <laughs> I like it. There's going to be some amazing album release. Oh, it's going to be incredible. I'm going to yeah. rock my socks off. Yes. <laughs> so one I have, and this is a shout out to my buddy Mark and our buddy Ira. In 2018, we released our two-bit acoustic album, and we worked our asses off on that album. Absolutely. So that one's an honorable mention for me because we're not talking about, like, we just went to the studio and recorded. We recorded ourselves. We mixed it ourselves. We mastered it ourselves. We wrote every damn song of the thing, and we didn't do some 10-song album. We did, nope. was, there, was there like, 16 songs on that. 17 songs on yeah. that guy. So and if, you, if my- you enjoy the intro music to our podcast and our outro yes. music, that is actually from that two-bit album. So I, feel free to go check it out. Huge honorable mention for me. That was just an amazing thing for us to get that music out there. We on all streaming platforms available. Yes. <laughs> can I can I add a little two cents here? Of course. You I've all for you guys because you guys have done multiple albums over the course of a few different bands over the years, and to me, that two bit acoustic album was like your super unknown album right like it's it's got a lot of songs in every one of them quality like you're like i remember looking at the book i'm like these these assholes did this many songs on this album I'm like <laughs> yeah, you're i'm like a little ambitious there fellas oh, yeah, yeah like, right i'm like ain't no way all of them can be good and i i i played it played it played it nope all good um and of I'll course like varying degrees of good but they are all solid tracks it's really amazing Thanks, to buddy. to see a band pump out that good of songs from top to bottom and of course we love the simple life which is our intro and outro music most weeks here on the show so check that out that's where that music comes from it's these guys that the big kids right here on the show also check out the michael j fox uh song everybody loves that one that one's a hard one to to know that's big nick's favorite yeah no simple life's my favorite but i will say this 
if you listen to Michael J. Fox and you don't like it, the problem's you. <laughs> well, everybody's I, like, what song did Michael J. Fox come? No, it's the name of a song right. on a tube album. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, shout out to my to our boy here, Sweetwater Mark. He put in the work, man. He did he did the majority of the work there. And he's thank you, sir. He's I just a, he's the man. And I'll put that album against most professional albums. That was all done in-house. We we busted our That's ass right. off for a solid year, I think, putting that thing out. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of pride, man. I mean, we did it all in our basement and, uh, you know, and it, well, a few different basements. It's starting to sound like a horror like, movie here. Like four different basements. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we put a lot of work in and it definitely turned out, you know, turned out well. It's kind of our anthology. We've got uh, pretty much what probably six, seven, eight years of music wrapped up into, yeah. uh, into that final product. So definitely something that we're proud of. And uh, yeah, anybody out there, definitely check it out. Two bit it's, it's on all the streaming platforms. So. Cheers, Enjoy buddy. and uh, a good range of rock to acoustic to all blues all over the place. So, boys, excellent episode. Love the years, love the choices, love the feeling. I'm feeling excited about it. All right, you guys, we love music. Hey, when you're thinking about it, Marcus, send, you. A, send us your favorite year of music. We'd love to hear what it is. Right? Give, give us some reasons why, but uh, otherwise, we will see you guys next week in the sandbox. We are. Big Kid Show. Party at my house 2057. Boom. I'm the one to save you if you let me but I'll sink without you Searching for myself like a needle in the sky I've been searching so long I keep on thinking I'll never get it back Cause the cups are only full of what it's worth You can write it down in fact I tell you what I never thought I'd be the one who said it's spinning off my track You should finally let it open up your mouth You might be shocked of all the knowledge That you bring and sing a song Come on, no way it easy Crack a smile, let the music play I'm the one to save you, yeah.